Well, let's get started. Pastor Joe's coming up with an amazing word. So let's give it up for our lead pastor. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, again, it's important that we do support one another, that we are here for each other. Amen. If we don't support each other, you know, who's going to, you know, if we don't look good out for each other, that's exactly what the Lord would want us to do. And so, uh, which brings me to something I want to take care of before we actually get into the message. If you were not here this past weekend, then um, you'll be hearing this announcement for the first time. Um, we have a family in our church that's uh, absolutely amazing, amazing family. It's uh, the Dobos family, uh, Dan and Alicia Dobos, and they have two children, uh, Jace and Myla. Well, on September the 1st, Dan was in a horrific car accident. Um, some of you probably saw the pictures and didn't realize it was connected to anyone here in the church. It was an accident that took place at the intersection of Route 70 and 571 back there on September 1st. It just horrible, horrible car accident. And Dan has been recuperating from a traumatic brain injury um, ever since. Was in Jersey Shore Hospital for six weeks and then um, he progressed enough, thank God, um, to be moved up to a JFK. Um, I don't know what the official name is, but it's a rehab up in Edison, if any of you from that area know where JFK Hospital is. So um, we are receiving an offering to help this family, and uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on here. We, we shouldn't need to spend a whole lot of time on here. Amen. Uh, our goal is to make sure that Dan doesn't have to be concerned about a thing, that Alicia doesn't have to be concerned about anything except taking care of her husband. We don't want them to be under any kind of financial pressure. And listen, we're a big enough church that we can do this. Amen. With all three campuses. We received the offering uh, last weekend at all the campuses, and honestly, we've got a really healthy head start, really good start on this. And um, so I'm asking you tonight to please um, search your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to show you exactly what part you should play in this. And don't say, well, I don't have that much. No, because you put yours together with somebody else's, and then at the end, we realize how much God has accumulated here. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to do that. If you want to do that tonight, uh, there's an offering envelope in front of you. If you want to go online, do it online. If you want to use the uh, if you want to text, you want to use our church app, do whatever you want to do. But listen to me, do something, okay? Um, my personal experience in 38 years is being a Christian. Um, yes, we're supposed to pay our tithes, and, and tithes are paid. Most Christians don't understand this. You pay your tithes, you give offerings. Okay? You, 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 you know, it's not an offering to give somebody something that's already theirs. Now, nobody wants to talk about this one. Okay, we are uh, instructed within the Word of God that we're supposed to take the very first 10% of our increase, whatever that increase is, whether that's from your paycheck, whether it's an investment, whether it's whatever it is. I mean, we raised our children on even birthday gifts, Christmas, whatever. You assess what you got, and you bring your 10% to the Lord. And we've been blessed, 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 blessed for many, many, many years. Amen. And that was something that, I mean, the very first, first Sunday I went to church, I, I heard about this principle. The next Sunday I started tithing. That was 38, 38 years ago. Okay? The tithe is a powerful principle. Then there's offerings that you give over and above the tithe. Now, the offering is what's coming out of your pocket. Yeah. Amen. So that's really giving. Tithe is not giving. 
I mean, if we go partners in a business and I say to you, okay, all I want is 10%, you can keep the rest of the 90% that you make on this business. When you bring me my 10%, it's not a gift. I put the money out for you to start that business. Are you getting this? Okay, because we're here now. We might as well talk about it. So, so my point is this. I have noticed throughout the years that way greater return on an offering comes when you're doing something like this. Because it is an absolute expression of the love of God towards another person. Amen? Amen? Now, in very, very desperate times, we, my family and I, were the recipients, but we still always tithe. Always tithe. If I made $100 a week, $10 went in the offering. If I made $1,000 a week, $100 went in the offering. You listening to me? Real simple. God made it very easy. Okay? And in case you're sitting here, one of the Bible scholars, well, that's Old Testament stuff. No, honey, it, it predates the law. The tithe was established before the Ten Commandments ever existed. Okay? It is a principle of God. So when it comes to this, something like this with supporting a family, that's, we're definitely connecting to the heart of God and reaching out to the heart of these individuals. Because uh, have any of you ever had to try to navigate through insurance and stuff like medical insurance? <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to? It's like you're like, Pff. So we want to be here. And listen to me. This family has been devoted to the word of God, devoted to the Lord. I mean, Dan, Dan has served as one of our assistant head ushers. Alicia is a connect group leader. They have been faithful in this church, and not just faithful to this church, but faithful to the Lord for all these years. So I'm not going to spend any more time on this. If you want to give an offering, go right ahead and give it. You can do it again, either here in person. You can write out a check, make the check out to New Beginnings. We'll be taking these offerings Next Wednesday, uh, all the way until the middle of November, okay? Because I want us to present Alicia with a check that's just going to blow her mind, okay? Um, Amen? Amen. And so, um, if you're not prepared to do something tonight, you can go online. You can do it here on your phone. Instead of looking at Facebook while I'm preaching... You like the way I slipped that one in? <laughs> Instead of looking at Facebook and checking your, just go to, to the website and go give something online. Amen? Um, if you are giving an envelope tonight or an offering tonight, um, please make the check out to New Beginnings. Again, because we'll take everything in the next four weeks and then put it all into one check. Uh, amen? amen? Now, real quickly, because I want to get into the message for tonight. It, it's stuffy in here, isn't it? Yes. Frank, can you put the air on, please? At least up here, anyway. Um, where was I? So, on November the 13th, this is all going to kind of culminate on November the 13th. We're having, uh, we have this slide up there here, family experience, family, uh, fall family experience. We usually do this every year. We have a fall festival uh, for our families, for our kids. This year, we're going to make it the celebration of this fundraiser. And so it'll be, it's a free event, although we're going to ask you to make a donation when you come on site, whatever you decide to give, that's up to you. 
Um, there'll be all kinds of, do we have the breakdown of what's gonna be there? There you go. Uh, there's gonna be cars decorated, giving out candy to the kids, uh, obstacle course, laser tag, game truck, bounce houses. We're supplying all that. Uh, on site there at the Field of Dreams. Anybody know where the Field of Dreams is, Tom's River? Phenomenal f f facility uh, for the families of the community. On site is basketball, bocce ball, baseball, there's, uh, there's mini golf, there'll be face painting, and there'll be a bunch of other stuff that we're not gonna tell you right now. We wanna surprise you when you get there. So that day, we're gonna ask you to please come, but that's the day that we're open to the community to come to support the Dobos family. Okay, uh, there are, are many outside organizations that are gonna be uh, supporting us because we wanna do this big. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those three amens. I said we wanna do this big. Amen. Okay, so in order to do it big, it's gonna require your cooperation. So start moving your hands. Amen? Amen. Now, ushers, Go through the, I don't know if anybody's got one tonight or envelope tonight or if they're doing anything tonight. Just go through here. If there is, it will, we'll receive it now. Amen? Amen? You ready to get into the word? Yes. All right, good. Who has not been here on a Wednesday night for this series that we're doing? Okay, okay. I'm gonna ask you, please, because I can't do a lot of review. Uh, those of you that may not have been here or maybe you missed one or two Wednesday nights, go online, please, and listen to the, to, this is, part six, I believe, tonight. Can't believe six weeks went by already. And go and get it from the beginning because I must have spent the first four weeks introducing the series. And it was a lot of good, how many remember, there was a lot of good stuff in those first four weeks, yes? All right, so please go listen to it online. Now, here we're jumping in. This series is based on the book of Exodus, but we're not so much studying the book of Exodus as much as we're, we're comparing the patterns that we see in the book of Exodus to our lives. You remember this? We talked about how uh, Egypt always represents the kingdom of darkness, right? Pharaoh always represents Satan. Satan. We come out from under his, uh, his slavery. His slavery always represents sin. Uh, the Red Sea experience always represents the born-again experience coming out of Egypt, coming into the promised land. Amen? Yes. So by this point where we're at now, Moses, you remember we, we left off last week, Moses jumps the gun, realizes on the inside that God has called him to do something for his people, but he takes matters into his own hands. You remember the story? He sees uh, two Israelites, uh, excuse me, uh, an Egyptian abusing an Israelite or whatever it is, and kills one of the guys, kills the Egyptian. Pharaoh finds out, and now Moses has to flee. Now, He's 40 years old at this point. Because no, no matter what movie you watch, they never bring this out. He's 40 years old when this takes place. Okay? Uh, we're we're going to talk about it more tonight. By the time he actually taps into God's plan and comes back to Egypt to set the people free, he's 80 years old. 80 years old. He just got started at 80 years old. All right, we'll talk about it a little bit more. So, we like to say, and I, I forget, I think it was D.L. Moody that, that coined this phrase here. He spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody in Pharaoh's palace, 
40 years in the desert being a nobody, and then 40 years with f- finding out what God could do with a nobody. Amen. 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 So, Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. When, uh, I must have the wrong. I think, no. Yeah, why is that different scripture up there? Is that verse 15? Because I got in my notes here, when Moses arrived at Midian. You want to put it back up or? Oh, okay. All right, so my notes are messed up. All right, so I'll start here. Okay, sure enough, when Pharaoh heard about what happened, about Moses killing the Egyptian, because he hit him in the sand, uh, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Now, that's going to be important. Remember that, Midian, okay? Uh, When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Isn't it amazing how many things take place in the Bible at a well? You know, it's, it's, I don't think that's by coincidence because Jesus, remember, associated the Holy Spirit with the well of living water on the inside. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. And you notice he's a priest of Midian? Okay. So these are, not, these are not pagans. These are not idol worshipers, okay? But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds, and then he drew water for their flocks. Keep going. When the girls returned to Ruel, Ruel, say that with me. Ruel. Okay, now remember, I think I, I've taught this plenty of times in the past. Whenever you see a Hebrew name or any title or any the city, anything, with the E-L on the end, it refers to God. Amen. So we're going to find out. It's very interesting what Reuel means. It's going to be extremely important and extremely important to Moses, okay? So uh, they went to Reuel, their father. He asked, why are you back so soon today? Next verse. Uh, how do we get to that point? Okay. An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. An, an, an Egyptian rescued us. So, so Moses at this point is still dressed like, talking like, acting like a what? I guess they saw the way he was walking. <laughs> An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he, their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. I love this. Because we as a culture have completely lost our sense of hospitality. Completely lost a sense of gratitude. Completely lost a sense of, of community. It's every man for themselves. And honestly, I could wish... I wish I could say it was different in the church. We got to get that back. We got to get that back. You listening to me? His first thought is, where is he? Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Next verse. Moses accepted the invitation. He settled there with him. In time, in time, Reuel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. Is Is there another verse after that? That's it? Okay. All right, I love this. I love digging into this stuff. So Moses is running away from a failed attempt to be the deliverer because it wasn't time yet. 
okay? He wasn't prepared yet. And Moses is diverted to a place in, called Midian on the other side of the desert from Egypt. In other words, it's as far away as Moses could get walking. Now there, God connects him to a family of a man named Reuel, the priest of Midian. Now, Midian, you remember, because uh, you're Bible scholars, Bible students, you remember Abraham's wife, Sarah, died before him. Yes? She gave birth to Isaac, okay? And then she dies. Isaac's about 40 years old when his mother passed away. And then Isaac takes a wife for himself. Well, Abraham also took another wife after that. I mean, God bless this guy. He's 100 years old when he has his son, Isaac. So he takes another wife, and she conceives and gives birth to Midian. So Midian is another son of Abraham, but he's a half-brother to Isaac and also would be a half-brother to Ishmael, right? Okay? So now Midian's descendants have gone to this place we're obviously called the land of Midian because it was Midian's land, okay? And it's, it's way, on, way on the other side from Egypt. We would today find it in the southernmost um, Probably not Israel, probably more in northern Saudi Arabia going towards Israel in that area, okay? Um, which brings us to another thing, where Mount Sinai, today, if they, you tell them you want to go visit Mount Sinai, they take you to the Sinai Peninsula, but Mount Sinai was really in Saudi Arabia. Go look it up. Um, so, so Moses is far from Egypt. But just because you're far from Egypt doesn't mean you lose Egypt overnight. Because all of us in this room, you got born again, but probably for the first couple of years, there's still some traces, there's still some remnants there. Uh, you know, you don't just get rid of everything overnight. Amen? And that's what I'm saying. Remember, we're talking about how the book of Exodus compares to our life and how we can look at our life and look at the book of Exodus and realize, okay, I need to not make this mistake that they made. All right? Um, so, um, Reuel, the priest of Midian. So now, that branch of the family of Abraham's descendants carried on worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Apart from the Israelites that went into Egypt. Okay, this is a different branch. Remember, it was uh, Jacob's son, Joseph. Remember the backstory when we first started the series? Uh, he ended up in Egypt. He ended up second in command to Pharaoh when the famine was at its worst and Joseph revealed himself who he was to his brothers. Pharaoh said, go get your father, go get your family, bring them over here. And he settled them in the northern part of Egypt, which today we would like around Alexandria, uh, back then, they called it the land of Goshen, which was the most fertile land in that part of the country. So now here we are 430 years later, okay? This whole branch of Abraham's family is still worshiping the God of Abraham. And so isn't it amazing how God leads Moses to this well where the daughters of Midian, of Reuel, of the, of the tribe of Midian, are there, and he gets received into the family.
Now, Reuel is, tra- the, the name Reuel translates a friend of God or one who is intimate with God. Well, obviously, Moses had been raised in Pharaoh's palace. He's raised with Egyptian philosophy. Now, now I, I don't believe that he didn't know who he was. Like this, you know, the movies and everything, they sound like one day, all of a sudden, he finds out who, no, no. Because his, uh, his mother nursed him until he was probably five, six years old, okay? And so he knew who he was. But if you see how the Israelites conduct themselves when they come out of Egypt, you start to understand they are called the descendants of Abraham, but they really don't know the God of Abraham. You listening? Because even Moses himself, you remember at the burning bush? He says, well, when I go back there, who shall I say sent me? I don't know. You know, I've heard about you, but I don't really know you. And the people heard about you, but they don't really know you. Why? Because they've been involved in pagan idolatry for so many, so many centuries. All they knew was the Egyptian gods. Now, granted, there's always a remnant. I'm sure there was a remnant there. But you remember, how, how do we know this, that they were so heavily influenced? What was the first thing they did when they had the chance and on the way to the promised land. What did they build? A golden calf. Now, you look at the golden calf, okay, and artist renderings. It wasn't just a golden calf. It was a golden calf with a circle on its head, like here, which was the principal god of Egypt. Are you getting this? So, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes, if we don't, if we're not careful about growing in our relationship with God, we're going to go into default and go back to the things that were in our life before we came to Christ. Amen. You getting this? Yes. So God makes sure that Moses hooks up with somebody who knows him. Right. You getting this? Yes. God brings him to a place. Who, with, he teams Moses up with a man whose very name means friend of God. Listen, this is irrefutable. It happens every time. You are going to become who you hang around with. Amen. You are going to become who you hang around with, whether that's good or whether that's bad. And I, I would suggest that every once in a while we take inventory of our relationships. You're going to become who you hang around with. Okay, And it's amazing how God brings him and hooks him up with a person. And, and by no means do, can we assume that Reuel was perfect. By no means. But he knew God. Amen. So now, for the next 40 years, Moses is connected to the friend of God. Later on, God says about Moses... I don't talk to Moses like I talk to other people. I talk to Moses face to, panim, panim, face, to face. You getting this? Now, where would Moses have been without Reuel? Probably still walking like an Egyptian. You understand what I'm saying? Don't ever underestimate the people that God puts in your life, Okay. He spoke, now, here's the cool thing, and I'm really getting ahead of myself by about 40 years now. The coolest thing about this is that Moses learns to be intimate with God because of his father-in-law real well. But then later on, when Moses goes back to Egypt, there's a young man that comes into his life. 
Do you know who he is? Joshua. And now Joshua learns how to hear the voice of God by hanging around with Moses, who hung around with Reuel. You catching this? So important. So important. You better pray for God to put the right people in your life. And pray for God to remove the wrong people out of your life. Well, aren't we supposed to walk in love? Yes. You can love them from 25 miles away. Okay? You listen to what I'm saying? Joshua then becomes the one who gets to take the people into the promised land. Because he learned to hear the voice of God hanging out with Moses. In fact, there's a couple different places. You can go read it. Go read Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay? It says, when Moses would go into the tabernacle, would go into the tent to commune with God, Joshua was there with him. And a couple of times it says, and when Moses left, Joshua stayed. Now, this is important. Because now, when you get into the book of Joshua, now they're, they're, it's 40 years later, they're, in the, they're, in, they're just about ready to go into the promised land. They're just about ready to attack Jericho, although they really didn't get to attack it, it fell down. They're just about, they're on the plains of Jericho. Joshua goes out one night to go pray or whatever, and he sees a figure of a person dressed in military garb. He's dressed with a uniform. He's got a sword. He's got... And he says to the person, who are you? Are you with us or for us? And as soon as that person opens his mouth, Joshua falls to the ground. He didn't recognize what he saw, but he recognized who he heard. The same voice that he heard in the tabernacle when he was with Moses. Are you getting this? Listen to me. If you don't learn anything else tonight, learn this fact. You have got to either be the person to somebody else who's a friend of God, or you need to go find yourself somebody who is a friend of God. There, in this Christian thing, there is more that is caught than taught. You listen? I thank God for the prayer meetings I went to years, 30 years ago, 35 years. I thank God for the, for the people, the men and women of God that he put in my life that I could glean from, that I could learn from, that I could watch, that I could listen, that I could emulate, that I could follow in their footsteps. It is so important. And this is why, getting back to this thing that we've lost in our culture, especially in the church of community and hospitality, I have had more times in the presence of God over a cup of coffee with a group of individuals than I've had in church services. You sit and you're starting to talk and you start talking about the things of God. Don't start talking about uh, the disaster that the Yankees just... Don't, 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 you don't, no, you got to be focused. Keep your conversations the right way. Keep them centered. And you'd be surprised. Because what did Jesus say? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And I'm telling you, I've seen more activity of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and small groups like that. That's why we advise people to get involved in connect groups. And that's why we tell our connect group leaders, keep them focused. Don't let them become a gossip pit. Don't let it become just a coffee clutch. Don't let it become, keep it focused. You, you listening to me? Extremely important, all right? So God's plan is for Moses to stumble upon this family he marries one of the daughters. 
and develops a relationship. Now, here is, and listen, watch this now. Don't underestimate this 40 years that Moses spends here. Don't, don't, don't treat it lightly, okay? Because for 40 years, his first 40 years, he's in Pharaoh's palace. But there are historical documents, there are historical resources that fill in some of the gaps that the Bible leaves. All we see is that Moses is in, he's in a basket in the river, and the next thing, he's talking to the burning bush, okay? The Roman historian, well, he's a Jewish historian that wrote a history of the Jews for the Romans that people study, historians study to this day, a man named Josephus. Now, you know, in 70 AD, the Romans came to destroy Jerusalem, right? right. David knows. You guys know that in 70 AD... The Romans came, surrounded Jerusalem, attacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. You know that, right? Okay. Josephus was captured by the Romans, and he makes a deal with them. He says, look, I know you don't understand our people, because the Romans were completely baffled by the Jews. They thought, how could you only worship one God? Because the Romans have, every, place, every land that they conquered, they took their gods, so you find the Greek gods in Roman mythology. You find uh, the Middle Eastern idols. Uh, you find the Egyptian gods in Roman, uh, their Roman religion. They took everybody in. So when they found the Jews, Jews, you only have one god? How did you only have one god? Okay? And so they were completely baffled. They didn't understand their customs. They didn't understand the fact that they're waiting for this Messiah to come. So Josephus says, and I'm making a point here. I'm not just giving a history lesson, Okay? Josephus says to them, to, the, to whoever captured him, I, if you spare my life, I will write for you the history of my people and goes way back and fills in some things that are missing for us in the scriptures. And he says this about Moses. Go look it up. You can Google it. Go look it up. Josephus, History of the Jews. Moses was a military genius he was commander over the armies of Egypt, and at one point, Egypt went to war with Ethiopia, because Ethiopia is directly south. You got Egypt, well, if you're looking this way. You got, can you say, can you say? You got Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia, well, it used to be called Abyssinia, Ethiopia. So, so at one point, Sudan was lower Egypt. So at one point, there's a war that breaks out between Egypt and Ethiopia. Who do you think is leading the army? Moses, he defeats the Ethiopians, okay? He was a master engineer. That part Hollywood got right. And he was overseeing, he was a master engineer. He was brilliant. So now here he is, a prince. And he arrives in Midian, and obviously, he still looked like an Egyptian prince, because what did the girl say? An Egyptian helped us. Okay? You getting this? Don't underestimate. Now, now God knows it's going to take, look it, it's going to take 40 years to get Egypt out of this guy. But watch now. He was in Egypt a commander over the armies. Now he's a commander over sheep. Now you've got to understand the irony of that because in Egypt they hate shepherds. That's why they took all the Israelites and said, hey, you guys go to the north. It's really nice over there. They didn't want any of the shepherds near them. Okay. So now, look, at God, look what God does to Moses. He puts him in the, in the profession of that which looks, was looked down upon by the culture that he was raised in. 
So he spends 40 years now in the land of Midian. By this point in time, he's probably put on the shelf what he originally thought he was called to. You getting this? Okay. I got saved in 1984. April 25th, 1984, 9.30 at night on a Wednesday. Okay. A year later, I'm saying, she's not born again yet. She watched her crazy husband for a year and a half. She wanted to make sure this wasn't another phase that, that he was going through. She watched me for a year and a half. A year later, I said to her, we're supposed to go to Bible school. What? I said, we're supposed to go to Bible school. I know there's a Bible school that I want to go to. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. You know when I got there? 11 years later. Watch this. I was in my heart the first year, but it took 11 years. Why? Because I wasn't ready yet. You listen to me? Wasn't ready yet. Now, so that brings us to 1995, right? 84, 11, 95. Okay. I'm looking at him because he's the numbers guy. So now 1995, God speaks to my heart. You're going to go to Bible school and you can start a church. Right here in Bricktown. Like, right here in Bricktown. <laughs> okay. I don't know that the church that I'm in right now in Bricktown is going to appreciate that. <laughs> so, how can I put this nicely? We get to Oklahoma and I decide, I decide. Like Moses decided to kill the Egyptian and put him in the sand. I decide, I don't have two years to spend here. I got to go back and start a church. What a disaster that would have been. Because you see, every seed reproduces after its own kind. And I needed to get out from under the culture and get out from under what I had previously been involved in and get, get that totally, um, what's the, what do you use, a transfuse. I, had, I needed a, a total transfusion. And it was two years. We would laugh when we first started the church that God forbid we didn't take the two years in Tulsa, Oklahoma and immediately came back here and started a church. It would have been a complete disaster. It would have never lasted this long. It wouldn't have made, it wouldn't have made two, three years anniversary. Because you could do anything for two, three years and get away with it. It's after three years that you find out what you really got, okay? So um, Moses needed 40 years to get all that Egypt out of his system, all the self-will, all the, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the deliverer, I'm going to get it all out of his system to the point where it was almost probably forgotten. And, and it's not too far-fetched to think about this. Are you learning anything? Yes. Because the parallels here are unbelievable, Okay, he had to have gotten to the point where he completely forgot about going back to Egypt. It's 40 years. 40 years. We have this sense that he think that 40 years back then was different than 40 years now. 40 years is a long time. At the end of the 40 years, Moses has forgotten so much what he's supposed to do that God has to, in order to get his attention, has got to produce this flaming shrub or bush, whatever it is, fire, but it's not being consumed. And it says, Moses, I'm ahead of myself in my notes. I'm sorry. 
Moses says, let me turn aside to see this sight, which means he's not looking for God to talk to him. He's just looking for another sheep. You listening to me? But watch this now. When Moses finally steps into the plan of God, in God's timing, it takes off. It just completely takes off, and he's totally prepared for this. So, find yourself a Reuel, or find yourself a Moses that you're supposed to pour yourself into. You listening to me? This is discipleship. Discipleship is not, hey, does this church offer a discipleship class? What good is it? Because if you don't get the, the connection part, it's just an information transfer. That's all it is. There are divine relationships that God has waiting for you. You probably have experienced some already in your life. Place importance on the relationship. You know, I sense it in here, you're not getting this. Because we're programmed to think, I'll get involved in this relationship for what they can do for me. You hear this all the time. My family is notorious for this. Oh, so-and-so? Give you the shirt off their back. Oh, so they're only good if they give you the shirt off their back. And what happens when they stop giving you the shirt off their back? Now they're no good anymore? You see what I'm talking about? If you're not careful, you'll place uh, significance or importance uh, or value upon a quality of an individual that really is not showing character. And there are times when God's going to put you in relationships with individuals. Uh, I can think of one relationship right now that God put me in. I did not like this person. <laughs> didn't like this person at all. Didn't like it. We had nothing in common. Um, and God kept putting me in this person's life. Kept putting this person's life. Kept, well, guess what? When this person was very, very sick, God had already had the relationship built between the two of us where I could minister to this person. Amen. The very first funeral that I officiated at, wasn't even a minister yet, was that individual when he passed away. But I didn't, I didn't want the friendship, didn't want the relationship, didn't like him, didn't want nothing to do with him in the beginning. But the blessing that we became to each other was incredible. I begged him to stay alive so that he could see the beginnings of this church. But he just went home to be with the Lord. So don't judge your relationships by natural things. The Bible tells us that we're to know each other by the spirit, not by the pocket. And that's why I was so careful with this particular individual because Everyone was taking advantage of this person because he, had, he was wealthy. Everyone took advantage of this person. And I was determined I wasn't going to do the same thing. So whenever we would go to their house, we made sure we brought things. When they would come to our house, his wife always had a bouquet of flowers. He always had whatever his favorite candy, whatever it was. I wanted to prove to him, I'm not in this to get from you. Amen. Are you listening? Man, this took a different turn tonight. Somebody needs to hear this stuff. Money is going to come and go. Connections are going to come and go. But the relationships are the things that we take with us in our heart. And thank God, 
I'm sure Moses was grateful for decades and decades that he stumbled upon a well where there were seven girls trying to, trying to water their sheep and he got involved in that family. You listening? So, he spends 40 years in that desert and I'm sure there were times when he thought, I'm wasting my time here. I miss God altogether. I don't know what happened, but I miss God because I should have been in this years and years and years ago. I said that to God. I was 39, 38 years old when the Lord called me to go to Bible school. And I'm like, now? I turned 40 years old in Bible school. I was like, why couldn't you do this when I first got saved when I was 27 years old? You know? It's timing. It's, time. it's God's timing. It's not ours. He knows. My point is this. You might be in a desert right now. And you think it's time wasted? It's not. Desert in, in the scriptures, the wilderness experience, the desert experience in the scripture is almost always associated with preparation for the next season. Always. Always. Time in the desert spent getting to know God is never time wasted. Absolutely not. Look at John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1, verse 80. John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. He lived in the wilderness until when? Right. Now, he lived in the actual wilderness. He lived out in the desert. But sometimes we live in a wilderness right here. We're not sure what's going on. We're not sure what direction to go. We're not sure of any of these things. Just hold on to God. Amen. Or better yet, let him hold on to you. And just let him, let him just take you. You don't know where he's taking you. You don't know what things you need to learn in the wilderness experience. But don't get disgusted and don't get discouraged. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching where? In the, in the wilderness of Judea. Now watch this now. This is amazing. I never realized this until I just said it. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. Who's he preaching to? Other people in the wilderness. Because most of the people that came to him were like, what do we do here? We don't know what to do. We don't do religious leaders are driving us crazy. You're giving us a whole different message we've never heard before. We're like, we don't know which way to go. And so you go, go, go read John the Baptist's ministry. He gives them instructions. He tells them to prepare. He tells them to repent. He tells them to get ready for the Messiah who's coming. Amen? We all need John the Baptist in our life too. So, what's he saying? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. You know we're never done doing this? No matter what stage you are in your life right now, no matter what, no matter how long you've been saved, we're always preparing a way for the Lord. For what? For the next thing that he's gonna do. And what does it involve? Repentance. Oh, it got quiet. Repentance. If you recognize you've been on the wrong track and you recognize you're heading in the wrong direction, don't keep going in the wrong direction. Just make a U-turn. That's what repentance means, to make a U-turn and go in the opposite direction. But it's got to start here. There's got to be a change of mind. It can't just be a change of just footsteps. It's got to be a change. The change has to take place here. We've got to realize, wow, that conduct is wrong. 
that attitude is wrong. The way I'm handling myself is wrong. You hear what I'm saying? Don't just keep going in the same direction. All right, who else spent time in the wilderness? Jesus, Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. What happened in Jordan? Come on, come on, come on. What happened in Jordan? He got baptized. He gets baptized in the Jordan River, so he's returning from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the well, we, we can say without a doubt that Moses was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and that's where he met Reuel, the friend of God. Amen? So, verse 13 of that same chapter, when the devil had ended all the temptation, well, verse 2, and being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered, afterward hungered. I would have, they would have said that about me the first day. Am I afterward hungered? 40 days. Afterward hungered. Okay. Verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Well, Pastor, I just don't understand. I feel like I'm constantly fighting the devil. Well, if, if he did that to Jesus, what makes you think he's not going to do that to you? He's always coming back and looking to see, poking to see where there's an opportunity to come in. Amen? You can't put your guard down about that. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into where? Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. Another person that spent time in the wilderness. What are you talking about? We're talking about the wilderness tonight. And the wilderness experience is not anything to be ashamed of. The wilderness experience is when you're facing the unknown. And so what, what is unique about facing the unknown is you've got nobody else to depend on but God. That's the best place you can be. Paul, after his conversion, he disappeared into the desert for three years. During that time, the Holy Spirit instructed him in the ways of God. Not See, Paul was an expert. Saul was an expert in Judaism. Saul was an expert in the law. Saul was an expert in the traditions. Saul was an expert in the legalities. But he had not yet met God, had not known God. And so he spends three years in the wilderness. Okay? And he came out, he's ready to preach the gospel of Jesus and the good news of salvation by grace through, through faith alone. Look, look, he went into the desert a religious scholar but came out a man in love with God and in full relationship with Jesus. Time and preparation is never time wasted. You getting this? Time and preparation is never time wasted. So, let's see. Where do we want to go here? Wow, I can't believe how fast this time went. So, God made provision for Moses through a man named Reuel. Reuel became Moses' teacher, his instructor, his advocate, his family member. And that was the person who would prepare him for the day when it would just be Moses and God. Okay? Jesus did the same thing with disciples. He made provision for them through the Holy Spirit who came on the scene after Jesus returns to heaven. Okay? Just like Moses got connected with Reuel, the friend of God, Jesus connects the disciples to the Holy Spirit who he, who he introduces as comforter, instructor, Friend, teacher, just on and on and on and on. You listening? Yeah. Okay. 
John 14, 16. Because it's the Holy Spirit, listen. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us into a deeper, deeper relationship with God. Listen to me. The statement I just made, do not dismiss. It is, yes, I, Pastor, I have my Bible. It's my Bible. I connect with God through the Bible. You need to connect with the author of the Bible so that he can explain to you the, the little um, nuances that don't come out directly from the Word of God. The greatest thing is that the Word of God in you and the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you. Listen to me. Through the word alone, some people are going to get mad at me when I say this, through the word alone, you're going to get saved, you're going to go to heaven, you're going to go to, but it's through the relationship with the Holy Spirit that you truly get to know the Father. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is here now. I have yet to meet an individual who has a really deep relationship with God and yet not have any relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's almost impossible. We've got to figure how important it was because Jesus said to the disciples, don't leave. Now, they had a relationship with him, but he's going. He said to them, don't do anything until you receive the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. You listening? Yes. Extremely important. Well, I'm a word person. Okay, that's wonderful. You need to be a word person and a person of the Spirit. It's the Spirit and the Word, the Word and the Spirit that gets things accomplished. You're going to draw your strength. You learn, you learn about the Word of God and learn the Word of God, but then allow the Holy Spirit to make it alive to you. I forget who I was having this conversation with a couple of days ago. I think it was you, Vic. There's two principal words in the Bible that refer to the Word of God. One is logos. That's the written Word of God. Then there's another word in Greek called rhema. Rhema is when the Holy Spirit takes the written word and makes it explode to you. Did you ever read your Bible? And you read, you read a verse that you read a hundred times, and all of a sudden you go, it's like the thing jumps off the page at you? That's because the Holy Spirit knew you, needed this, you need this now. You need this scripture now. And he empowers it, and it jumps off the page. It becomes alive. Okay? Now, you can become an expert in the Logos. But if you're not nurturing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get into the rhema words. And it's the rhema words that carry the power to change things. Amen. You listening? Yes. When you have a situation on your hands, you don't know what to do, pray. Father, reveal to me by your spirit, give me a rhema word. Are you listening to me? A word that's alive. A word that is full of power. And not to say, Pastor, you're saying the other words? Not? No. Any word of God can become a rhema word. But you won't, be set, you won't be aware of it unless you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he brings that word alive to you. You getting this? Are you getting this? Okay. All right, John 14, 16. Jesus speaking. Again, we're talking about, talking about what happens when you have spent time in the wilderness, in the desert, you come out, and now you step into the next season of life. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by that he may remain with you forever. You got it? So God's given us his spirit. His spirit is like Reuel to us. He's our friend. 
He's our standby. He's our mentor. He's the one who speaks into our lives. And you want, you need a Reuel that is okay with seeing you at your worst, seeing you at your best, and, and, and you're okay with them speaking into your life. Yes or no? Yes. Too many of us are not, we just, all right. So, 40 years with Rahuel prepared Moses for that face-to-face encounter with God in the burning bush. Um, let me ask you this question. I'm going to kind of wrap this up now. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to prepare you for whatever life-changing encounter that God's got in store for you? Yes. We're, always, we're, always on the, we're always on the very edge of the next encounter with God. Always. Always. But are we always listening? Are we ready? Are we willing? Because sometimes God wants to take us on some crazy journeys. And it could be scary. But when we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, man, he'll, he'll prepare us for anything. And I'm so glad that he does it without us even knowing it sometimes. You know, with God, it's true that hindsight is always twenty twenty. when you look back. But going forward, it's like, no, no, no. I don't have to explain anything to you. Just give me your hand. Come on, let's go. Okay, Lord. It's kind of scary here. It's all right. I'm here. I'm here. As long as your hand is in my hand, nothing is going to happen to you. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. Okay, but, but, but sometimes we don't want to take that hand. Oh, we'll do it in time of crisis because we don't have a choice. You gotta, we have to start by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts by placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, I, I said that prayer 20 years ago. Okay, you said a prayer. But have you been living a life of placing your faith in Jesus Christ? Or is it like, I'm good now, I know I'm going to heaven, so um, I'll see you when I get there. I'm gonna live my life the way I want. I have my dreams, I have my aspirations, I have what I wanna do. That's not living a life. That's placing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ every day, multiple times a day. Every time we commit ourselves to him, every time we ask him for wisdom in a situation, every time we throw our hands up and go, I, I don't know what to do at this point. I don't know how to handle this, this thing. It's placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's that initial experience, and I don't want to assume that everybody in here has had that experience. But you see, there has to be an entrance point into your relationship with God Almighty. Jesus said it's him. He said, I am the door. <coughs> I am the door. What do we go through a door for? Now, in a few minutes, you're all gonna get up and turn around and you're gonna walk out of this room. What are you gonna have to do to go out of this room into the lobby? You're gonna have to pass through a door. That door signifies you're leaving one area and you're going into another. There are some of us here tonight 
you haven't walked through that door of the Lord Jesus Christ yet. You're hanging around the door. You're intrigued by the door. You're intrigued what's going on inside this place, but you have not yet walked through that door of the Lord Jesus Christ and walked into a different realm, into a different life altogether. I'm asking you, please, do that tonight. Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross for us. And you know, sometimes when I say that, I'm like, how do we possibly express what he really experienced so that we would place value on that phrase, Jesus died on the cross for us? Maybe we should constantly be reminding ourselves how horrific that experience was. I think if we would constantly remind ourselves of that and then put that together with the fact that he didn't have to do that at all. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. He didn't have to do that. That act was totally pure love to take upon himself not only the physical punishment, but do you realize that he became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God? He never experienced sin. The only thing I could equate it to is Adam and Eve in the garden who had never experienced fear in their human, they, they, they didn't know what fear was. And so when fear came on them because they sinned, they didn't know how to react. They ran and hid themselves because they, they, what is this feeling? What is this, what, what is shame? I've never experienced this before. I can only, we can't, I don't even know if we can't imagine what Jesus experienced when all the sin of the entire world came upon him. And then according to Isaiah, all sickness and disease that came as a result of sin came upon him. And he knew this was gonna happen and he still went to the cross on our behalf. Are you listening to me? Yes. Don't stay outside the door. He's knocking on somebody's heart right now. You need to make a commitment once and for all and settle for all time. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. He is my Savior. I know that I'm forgiven because of the sacrifice he made of himself. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I, I want him to be my Lord. I want to be a child of God. Can we all say that prayer together? And I know we've said this thousands of times. But tonight... Let's pray it like we're praying it in a fresh new way. The Bible tells us that if we will declare with our mouths what we believe in our heart, that we shall be saved. We're gonna have the opportunity to declare with our mouths what we claim to believe in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this prayer. Father, Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. is the Son of God. I believe, I believe that he came to this earth died a horrific death, a horrific death. On, my on my behalf. 
He paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead so that I could have everlasting life. Therefore, I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen to me. Some of you that prayed that prayer tonight, but you prayed it different. You prayed it differently. It was different tonight. And you know in your heart it was different tonight. Now listen to me. It's extremely important that you take a step. When everybody else gets up and is going to go outside, going to have coffee, going to have whatever, would you please, I don't care if you, were, if you claim to be safe 10 years, but tonight, if you recognize my, that was different tonight when I prayed that prayer, please, or, if, or especially if you said it for the first time tonight, Make your way up here for the front. We want to put a Bible in your hands. We want, to, we want to give you an opportunity to say, I prayed that prayer tonight. Prayed that prayer. No, it's better than that. I walked through the door tonight. <clears throat> you went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light through the door. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Amen? Amen? Now listen, we're going to be dismissed. So you can stand up. If anybody has any other need for prayer, Please come up here with the sickness or whatever's going on in your life you want prayer for. Come on up, we'll pray for you. Especially those of you that prayed their prayer tonight. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.